Welcome to Airplanes and Anecdotes. I'm Jazz. And I'm Sarah. And so today we're going to talk about Paris. Uh, But before we do that, we just have a couple of things to say. We are sorry that we haven't posted an episode in the last couple of weeks. We experienced some technical difficulties with our sound, but we have also grappled with the appropriateness of putting out a podcast episode during this time while our country is fighting for justice against systemic racism. So we just have some words we want to say before we get into recording the rest of this. A society that is built on stolen land, on the backs of slaves, and has disrupted countless lives for the cause of spreading quote-unquote democracy cannot become equitable or just until there are major systemic and revolutionary changes to it. Living through a revolution is not easy or comfortable, nor should it be easy or comfortable. Make no mistake, what we are seeing right now is a revolution. We love and support all of the brave souls that have been out in the streets demanding justice from a society that is inherently unjust. Many of these individuals are our friends who are out in the street during a literal pandemic fighting against systemic racism. We love and support everyone who has used their voice and their money where they could to fight systemic racism. We need to keep this up even after this ceases to become a trending topic. At the time that I was writing this statement, and now, still, Sunday, June 14th, Breonna Taylor's killers have not been charged and arrested, despite Breonna Taylor's law being passed in Kentucky. Countless murders at the hands of police have not been brought to justice, including Sandra Bland and David McCatty, and so many others who have had their lives taken away only because of the color of their skin. As of this week, Two black trans women were murdered. Their names were Dominique Remy Fells and Raya Milton. Dominique was a native of Philadelphia. Additionally, Rayshard Brooks was murdered by two police in Atlanta for sleeping in his car in a Wendy's parking lot on Friday, June 12th. That was just two days ago. There are countless people in power that need to face a reckoning for their complicity in this unjust system and utilizing their power to destroy lives, families, and communities. There are petitions that need to be signed, organizations that need funds to support their communities, conversations that need to be had with elected officials, advocacy to dramatically decrease police budgets, and so much more. White people in particular need to use their privilege to speak out against anti-blackness and racism wherever it rears its ugly head, whether it is within our families, in our workplace, or within our friend groups. We need to educate ourselves and each other about white privilege, anti-blackness, and racism. White people need to use their privilege to show up and help with the work that our black friends and community members have been doing all along. I will be putting together a blog post with organizations you can donate to, books you can read, petitions that need to be signed, and some other resources. So Jazz and I are going to proceed with recording new episodes. But please know this podcast wholeheartedly with our whole chests and with all of our breath supports the Black Lives Matter movement. As individuals, we always have and always will. And as a podcast, we will always use our platform to be anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-xenophobic, and anti-homophobic in all respects. If you're listening to this and disagree with this statement or your first thought is to retort with all lives matter or some other bullshit, This is not the podcast for you. This is just not a difference in opinion. It's a difference in morality, and we will never, ever compromise on this. 
We have stated this before, but our goal is to make travel more accessible and less scary. And that is true, but traveling and having access to travel is highly important for personal growth, of course, but also building connections and getting out of our comfort zones. Meeting people from all walks of life and experiencing new cultures helps break down barriers, encourages open-mindedness, and discourages racism and xenophobia. This is a part of why we are here doing this podcast. We also recognize that this is a trying time with so much upheaval, pain, and tension. We want to encourage our listeners to take time to decompress for their mental health, whether that is watching your favorite show, reading a book, doing a puzzle, or even listening to your favorite podcast. The reason why we have chosen to record again so soon is just in case there is someone out there that takes comfort in listening to our podcast as a way to decompress. So if you are out there, this is for you. And I'm going to turn this over to Jess. Okay. So basically, as a Black woman, I am at this point exhausted about speaking about the struggles of Black people. And I feel like a lot of Black people feel bad about taking a step back, but we also have to remember to make sure we're keeping tabs on our mental health as well. So I would like to basically say that don't feel bad if you feel tired. Don't feel bad if you feel exhausted or you don't want to talk about it. All of that is valid. The only thing I would like to say is things will get better eventually. And hopefully people will take this time to actually educate themselves and not just rely on black people to educate them. Because at this point, if you haven't taken the time to figure out why all the protests are happening, then you are part of the problem. And I'd also like to say that if you feel that you don't need to educate yourself, you're also part of the problem. If you literally take a couple minutes to look at all of the great infographics, all the things that have been dumbed down to actually like be recepted easily, it'll be very mm-hmm. easy for you to understand why this is such a big issue now. Because everything has been very hard and very difficult these past few weeks, I'd like to talk about some lighter topics such as traveling. And (laughs) though traveling can be quite stressful for specifically Black people because we have to, you know, see how racist a place is before we go, I still believe that we should get out and travel because the more people that come across actual black people and not the media representation that they're given about us they'll understand that we're literally people (laughs) so with that being said let's talk about paris (laughs) all right let's talk about paris (laughs) that was very well said yeah sorry if that was like a rough segue but i just no it's okay i can't (laughs) there's literally no good segue but it's still important to be said so Five hours ago on (sighs) Time.com, apparently French President Emmanuel Macron publicly disavows racism but says colonial era statues will stay. 
So this was literally five hours ago. So I was still writing my show notes at that time. But, you know, as we've been seeing in the media, there are Black Lives Matter protests going on all over the world, including Paris. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really disheartening to hear that the president of France doesn't want to take down fucking statues of slave traders and colonialists because what the fuck? Yeah, his reasoning was... (laughs) That's erasure of history. It's not. However, they have whole museums for historically accurate things. And they you can just do. take them down and throw them in the museums if you yes. like. They don't have to be out in public as a public reminder of, oh, this place is built upon slavery and literally on the backs of black people. But, yep. you know, we don't talk about that. Yeah. And, uh-huh. okay, I have so many issues with this. First of all, first of all, you can't erase history in the age of the internet. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work. It doesn't happen. Like, people are pissed about the Columbus statues going away or, I don't know, fucking, what's his name? Do you know how happy I was when I saw that the Frank Rizzo statue was gone? Oh my god, Jazz, it was such a good day. (laughs) I was so happy because, you know what? Fuck Frank Rizzo. And if you don't know. We tried to take it down. Like, it used to be in South Philly and they took it down Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. people said it's racist, get it out of here. And then they put it on the the municipal buildings. In the middle of Philadelphia, across from City City Hall. Hall. Like, literally the most, (sighs) (laughs) the most, like, I was about to say touristed. Wow. Wow, that's a word. (laughs) It's like a very central location. Like, there's a bus stop right there. Yeah, it's you literally know. like the central location of Philadelphia. <sighs> but yeah, and it was just like so. You just said, "Oh, you know what? You didn't like it being racist in South Philly. Let's just put it at the forefront of Philly. This is great. This is great. It's city of brotherly love." Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and if you guys don't know who Frank Rizzo is, um, you, number one, you're lucky. But <laughs> he is, he was, a, the police commissioner and mayor of Philadelphia. And he has a brutal history of violence against uh, Black communities and the gay community. And he was truly just an awful, awful person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, we still see the effects of a lot of what he did today in Philadelphia. And there was a statue to him, like we were just saying, like right across from City Hall. Like I have to pass it often because I work in downtown Philadelphia. Now I don't have to pass it anymore once we go to the once I go back to my job, which is great, but mm-hmm. you know, he his statue was there, and people celebrate him because he was the first like Italian American mayor, I guess, in Philadelphia. So people still celebrate him, mm-hmm. especially people in the Italian American community. Not all yeah. people, obviously. Especially why it was in South Philly. Yeah, and that's why it was in South Philly because there's a really big Italian American community in South Philly. And mm-hmm. just an aside, I was taking Italian lessons at like an Italian American society in the fall. And they have like a history museum, like a little history museum. It's very cute. Besides the fact that uh, like by cute, I mean, it literally has like poster board and it's like, it kind of looks like a school project where it's like poster board and like a cutout of something. And then it's like a little blurb and it has a lot of heart. However, the museum itself celebrates Frank Rizzo and Christopher Mm. Columbus as Italian American I guess heroes in, in you know their community and it's just so problematic and not okay to just 
I guess, value the fact that this guy was the first of something without thinking about his legacy for how he treated other members of our overall community. And it just really pisses me off. Fuck Frank Rizzo and people who support him. And thank God his mural is also gone now. So I didn't know it is. It is. They painted over it from what I saw. Yeah, they painted over it. And they're going to put something there that like represents the community. So Oh, who knows that's, what that's going to be. I hope it's gritty, personally. <laughs> but <laughs> who knows what it really will be. But yeah, it's like these statues, like you can still understand history without having a statue. And I'm going to be honest, oftentimes if you look at a statue or a work of art, you most likely don't really know what you're looking at anyway. If you're just passing by it or you don't read the description, you don't know. So those things don't uphold history. You know, mm-hmm. they're just fucking there and they just are there as Reminders. a physical representation of white supremacy and that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So every time a racist statue gets torn down, I will celebrate. And I don't know if you've seen the video. <laughs> have you seen the video, Jazz, of the statues being torn down to that Enya song? Because it's great. <laughs> no, but I did watch um, a video of some white people trying to pick up a statue that was thrown into oh, a river. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, in, in England. With a pole. And, and I was, was like, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you expect it. This is, that thing is at least four times. It, it's at least four times. Yeah, it's like a statue. <laughs> and I'm just, uh, it, it made Wait, me I love really those sad. pictures because it's so dumb and it's so funny. I have to yeah. send, I'll send you the one of Enya because it really makes me happy inside. I will find it. I probably retweeted it. <sighs> but anyway, I have a lot of feelings about this. Jazz has, we both have a lot of feelings about this. Yeah. But now back to Paris and it's bullshit. Back to Paris and it's bullshit. So I didn't fully read the article because you're we just chatting before this. And, and then I was just like pissed. Yeah, I read an article probably about an hour after it happened. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> on the day that we're recording a Paris podcast episode, great. Yeah, so just according, just like eyeballing this article, there's apparently also calls to reassess France's colonial legacy, and mm-hmm. this is apparently causing division within the president's own like staffers. It says own camp, but it's like staffers. Yeah. So that's good, I guess, but it's still just like we don't need racist monuments. Like, also, can we just like really think about why? Why are there monuments to uh, slave traders and co- like colonizers when you could literally be putting up statues of literally anybody else in this world who has done any ounce of good and not fucking terrible bullshit that oppresses and kills people and still leaves these like lasting terrible legacies? At this point, so I have said it to Sarah multiple times, but my whole philosophy is there's literally racism everywhere so yeah i'm not gonna let that stop me from exploring and doing the things i want to do and seeing the things i want to see because i can literally like i first of all i live in philly we have a huge population of kkk members in Mm -hmm. philly i could literally go outside and see racism why would i do that in my own city when i can go somewhere else and see pretty things or experience exactly. new things and Eat delicious food yeah so i'm just like at yeah. this point it's, it's almost un 
avoidable. So I'm going to live my life. Yeah. And I support you. All right. So we're going to bring this back. We're going to, we're going to reel it in um, into our topic today, but just know when we talk about this stuff, we are not unaware of all of the underlying bullshit that goes on in history. So on to the show, we're going to talk today about the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower, and the Jardin du Luxembourg. We visited all three of these places when we went to Paris uh, in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All three of these places are basically like the top tourist attraction. Well, some of the top tourist attractions mm-hmm. that you can go to. So we figured it'd be good to give you a little insight on what to actually expect. Yes, exactly. So we can start with the Louvre. And obviously you cannot really go to Paris without visiting the Louvre. It is the biggest museum in the world and the most visited. So it's really great. It's one of my favorite museums. So I just want to jump into a little bit of history. And I just want to say too, that my purpose for doing this is not just to like talk at you about history. It's really because I know me personally, when I go somewhere, I want to know or have a even just like a little bit of understanding of what I'm looking at and kind of the background of the place or the the works of art or whatever. So that's why I make a point to talk to you about the history. So let me just jump in. So in terms of the Louvre, in 1190, uh, the king at the time, Philippe Auguste, he decided to build a fortified enclosure to protect to protect Paris he, because he was leaving in order to participate in the Crusades. So in order to do that, they needed to build a castle. And that castle is actually was actually built like where the Louvre is now. And please note too that this was not in the city in the city center as it is now, but it was actually on the outskirts of the city because as we know, like Paris grew exponentially over the years. So according to the Louvre website, the building designed by Philippe Auguste's engineers was square in plan, protected by a moat, and equipped with circular defense towers at its corner and in the middle of its sides. In the center of the courtyard stood a main tower with its own moat, and it was essentially a chateau. And you can actually see the foundations of the early Louvre today in the Louvre. I saw them when I was there before, but Jazz, we didn't see them together. I don't know if you've seen them. It's like Honestly, the I am not even sure. I feel like you remember. It's like dark and there's walls. Okay, that could describe anything. That is very specific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> that's what it is, basically. It's cool, though. It's cool, though. I enjoyed it. I was in high school when I saw it. So I need to go back to the Louvre next time we go to Paris. But And incidentally... Um, the Louvre is reopening on July 6th and visitors will be allowed in, but they'll be required to book a time slot and also wear a face mask while there. So you can't just kind of like show up to the Louvre. And I guess that'll be until further notice. And also don't just like book a flight to go to the Louvre. I'm sure people who like live in Paris will like want to go because they want to leave their houses. So there's that. So back to history. Okay. The Louvre was essentially like a, a protected a protection structure and then after that after the hundred years war as we had talked about before in the previous episode 
French kings had generally lived in the Loire Valley, and they did not reside in Paris. That actually changed after Francois the I, who reigned from 1515 to 1547, made his residence in Paris. He commissioned the Louvre Chateau to be updated and then rebuilt at the end of his reign. It was not rebuilt until his successor, Henri II, came into power. Then following the completion of the Palace of Versailles, the Louvre was left in disrepair until the French Revolution when it was reclaimed as a space for the arts. In 1791, the assembly government declared that it would be turned into a public museum, and it first opened its doors August 10, 1793. At that time, there were more than 500 paintings and other art, which a lot of that was confiscated from the royal family and French nobility. I personally love this song uh, because, you know, art should just be made public. And the public was given free access three days a week. So that was good. Um, And the hill that I will personally die on is that art should be made available to the public and instead of being in the private collections of rich people. There is so much Mm -hmm. art out there that we don't have access to because rich people hoard it. Yeah, like everything else the art community because they are truly not a fan of that uh yeah yeah it fucking grinds my gears like what the fuck like there's like my favorite artists artists artemisia gentileschi like not a lot of her art is available to the public and i think that's such bullshit because she's like one of the only really well-known like women renaissance painters and it just like pisses me off mm. but Yes, I will die on that hill. But anyway, back to this. So Napoleon's annoying ass will come into the picture now. So he technically grew the museum and collections at a price. Under various treaties, including the Treaty of Tolentino, which was the treaty between France and the Papal States, Napoleon was able to acquire works of art and other things of cultural importance, including the statue's of the Nile and the Tiber that were previously located at the Vatican. So these treaties basically allowed um, Napoleon and his soldiers to, I guess, like legally get these works of art and bring them back to Paris. So eventually the Nile statue was returned, but the Tiber actually remains in the Louvre. Another example of this is the Treaty of Campo Formio, which required Italian cities to contribute art and other priceless things for Napoleon's victory parades before being housed in the Louvre. And famously, four of the antique bronze horses from San Marco in Venice were taken under this treaty in order to decorate Napoleon's Arc du Carousel in 1797. So in addition to the sanctioned looting through the treaties, um, Other churches and palaces were being looted by French soldiers, which, you know, it's a whole thing. But Napoleon took art from Egypt, Austria, Spain, and the Netherlands. And at at one point, the Louvre was actually renamed the Musée Napoléon for a period of time. And then after Waterloo and Napoleon was defeated, many entities, states, countries demanded their art back generally. And generally, the Louvre did give the art back at first i think they were like pissed about it but eventually people got what they wanted back and then they were able to require acquire it like without looting i guess 
So then during the periods between Napoleon's downfall and World War II, the Louvre acquired many pieces to add to their collection. And I want to tell you guys a story uh, about what happened right before World War II, because I think this is amazing. And it just really showcases the love that people have, like for the art that they take care of. So basically, people knew, I guess, that the Nazis were going to occupy Paris. And the Louvre was closed for three days starting August 25th of 1939. The official reason was for repairs, but what they actually did was remove most of the art and valuable pieces, and they were able to transport this and all of these pieces. Um, They basically removed anything that was movable. You know, some stuff, I guess, was just way too big to move. But this effort took an army of cars, trucks, ambulances, and I guess any other vehicles they could really get their hands on. So they said it was about 203 vehicles that moved all of this stuff. And there was 1,862 wooden cases, and they were all sent to the Chateau de Chambord. The crates, the wooden cases or the crates, had markings that identified the importance of the art pieces contained within them. So, for example, a yellow circle indicated very valuable art pieces, green indicated major works, and red indicated world treasures. The Mona Lisa actually had three red circles. And then, interestingly, the Raft of Medusa, which is a painting, was so big it had to be covered with a blanket and transported on an open truck. And the last work to leave the Louvre during this period of time, it was actually just a period of 10 days. So, this work left the Louvre on September 3rd, 1939, and it was the winged victory of Samothrace, Samothrace, which is the iconic statue that you'll see with the, um, the wings and the angel wings with no head. And the person who was in charge of this whole thing was the head of the Louvre, Jacques Jojard. Um, he, he didn't do this because like he was ordered to. He did this to protect the art. And he also worked throughout the occupation of France to move art from Chateau to Chateau to protect them from the Nazis and the Vichy. And his actions and the actions of his staff, art students, and the resistance ensured that no art was damaged during the occupation, which is, I think, just like super amazing to think about. There's actually a documentary about this called Illustrations Yet Unknown, or in French it's called Illustre, Illustre et Inconnu. So there's also a book that covers this topic. This has actually been on my to-read list forever at this point. Basically, this book covers that the Nazis pillaged Europe for their works of art. The book is called The Rape of Europa, The Fate of Europe's Treasure in the Third Reich in the Second World War. I will uh, put a link to the Goodreads in the blog post so that you can see it and see if you want to read it. It's been on my list. I haven't read it yet, but I'm actually probably going to read it maybe after this book that I'm currently reading. So currently, the Louvre has 380,000 objects, including 35,000 works of art on display across eight curatorial departments. And again, it is the most visited museum in the world. So let's get into the points of interest. There is literally so much to see at the Louvre. You need like two separate trips. There's, I don't think there's any possible way you could do it in a day without exhausting yourself and not really appreciating the art that you're looking at Mm. um there's so many masterpieces including paintings sculptures and historical objects that you can see and the collections are organized by 
different, again, the different curatorial departments, but those departments are uh, Egyptian antiquities, Greek, Roman, and Etruscan antiquities, Near Eastern antiquities, sculpture, decorative art, Islamic art, graphic arts, and paintings. I think that's eight. I didn't count them, but yeah. So there's obviously... There's obviously works of art that the Louvre is famous for, and the most famous, I would say, probably is the Mona Lisa. And of course, it's amazing, but when you go there, it's actually super hard to actually see the Mona Lisa up close. The Mona Lisa is a lot smaller than you would think, mm -hmm. and it's like in a protective glass, which is very important. I'm glad it's in protective glass, but people crowd all around it. So it's really like you're, it's basically like you're just in like a crazy crowd and you're just trying to take a picture of it. Like you're at a concert and trying to like zoom in just so you can see the Mona Lisa. It's crazy. That was my interpretation of it. Jazz. I've, I've been there twice and each time, both of the times I was there, I really didn't get to see the Mona Lisa up close because it was just so packed. Yeah. Same. However, for me, I think that, Yes, it is worth seeing, but it's not worth basing your entire visit to the Louvre around. Oh, totally. Don't do it. I think you should really explore other places. Um, there are just amazing artworks and even even ceramics and statues. Yeah, and so great. All sorts of things. Even check the ceilings yeah. while you're walking around. It's yeah. just, there are so many other things to see other than the Mona Lisa. So I think, yes look at it go check it out mm -hmm. but like you said it is a lot smaller than most people think it is yeah and it shouldn't be the I mean honestly you do you but because <laughs> I'm, I'm I don't want to tell you what you should or should yeah do yeah the trip. but personally I don't think it's I don't think it should be the it wouldn't I don't think it would be the main reason for me to go no, to the same same and I love art and art history but mm -hmm. it's just yeah I mean there's so much art and so mm -hmm. many like really amazing things that are worth seeing beyond that mm -hmm. and if you're literally just like going to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa and then leaving like I'm not sure what to tell you because that's insane <laughs> because it's like it is truly like one of the best museums and best I mean, it's just so well curated and it's it's one of the best museums in the world. And you'd really just have to like sit back and realize how lucky you are to see all of that crazy stuff and amazing stuff. And like, ugh, I just love it so much. I could talk about it for days and it's because I haven't been in a museum for months. But well, here for, we are. for right now, mm -hmm. though, I will say since it seems like visiting the Louvre is timed. Mm -hmm. you may want to make it a priority that's a good point yeah that's a really good point especially if for some reason you're visiting Paris soon you could totally do that and of course there's other works you can see that are famous like the Venus de Milo by Alexandros of Antioch that is the uh, iconic sculpture with the, the woman with the arms cut off that you see everywhere mm -hmm. There's the Winged Victory of Samothrace, which we just talked about, and that's the Angel S statue that you commonly see in pictures of the Louvre. It's amazing and beautiful. There's the wedding of there's the wedding at Cana by Veronese. 
And there's that, I forgot to put it in the thing, but it, there's that really famous painting of the French Revolution, the Liberty Leading the People, painted by Eugène Delacroix. And that's the painting where you see the woman um, with the French flag and she's like running and then there's like men all around her and just very dramatic scene. It's, I didn't get to see it in person and I'm, I still want to go see it. But there's so much, I mean, there's just so much stuff that you can see there. You really could spend a week and not see everything at this point, you know. My favorite thing that I saw when we went to the Louvre was the, so, okay, you guys know I love history. And Eleanor of Aquitaine, she um, was a French queen from like the 1100s, I believe. I mean, it's like old, like very old, like, like real back in the day stuff. But the Louvre actually has uh, a ring and a vase that she owned. And I knew it was at the Louvre and I didn't really know where in the Louvre it would be. And we made a point to find it and we found it. And it was like just truly amazing to see something so old and like something of this person who lived so long ago that I don't know. It was like, but I like knew about her. It was just like such a cool experience. And I was like mildly emotional when we found her vase and ring. I, my phone had been, had broke at that time and I made Jess take a picture of it for me. Mm. So, and I'm trying to, I don't know, my phone is, I don't think we have, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull up the pictures, but we'll see. If we can pull up the pictures, then I will include it in the blog post, but we will see guys. No promises. But my favorite part about the Louvre was the ceramics. Like, I tend to seek them out in any museum that That's I go true. to for some reason. Um, I don't, it's not a hobby or anything. I just really enjoy looking at them. Um, so my two favorites were the ceramics that I could find. And I really enjoy modern art. So I found, like, a little modern art section. And mm-hmm. that was really nice but I do want to go down next time we go to like the Egyptian yeah and like same. we didn't make it we didn't make it to like the lower levels yeah so. and there's literally only so much that you can see you literally yeah. I mean we walked so much yeah we were also kind of distracted for a good portion mm-hmm. of our trip to mm-hmm. the Louvre so we have to redo it we it's do. Fine. We're not going to talk about her. We're not going to talk about it, but we were distracted <laughs> by an individual, and it's fine. Yes. An individual who didn't appreciate art. And I was like, why are you here? Like, duh. It's okay. I wasn't even like, why are you here? Because whatever, you should go to the Louvre because it's amazing. But why were you there interrupting my experience at the Louvre, telling me that you don't appreciate art? It's okay. We'll go again. Sorry, I clearly just got a really strong flashback. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was the whole time. I guess That's you saw I, <laughs> the modern I art when you fucking it. left me with her. Oh, no, because I was looking for, we were looking for the way to Mona Lisa, and I didn't, I tech, well, I did leave you, but that's because I was with her for like a half hour before that, and I was like, no one will take her from me. I'm so sorry. I just, I saw her like speaking to you, and I was like, all right, this is my time to dip, and then I'll figure out where we need to go. Oh, God. Do you know how then, hard I panicked when I couldn't find you or contact you because I had no service? Listen, I don't know where you went, but I was like, all right, cool. I found out exactly where we need to go. Let me walk down this hallway, this straight hallway. I tried to that, shake her off by going to the yeah, next room. It didn't work. 
I've, no, of course not, because we were walking with her for over a half an hour at that point. She was sticking with us. I'm small. I thought I could just, like, I don't know, like, dart she a little bit. Not the t- she was also not the tallest. It's true. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Also, but, you darting is not a thing. I don't know why I pronounced that T so hard. Darting. <laughs> but, yeah. Whatever, dude. Anyway, okay, guys. So we do uh, we do have pictures of Eleanor of Aquitaine's Regan Bays. Yeah, so the Louvre really does have something for everybody. Um, there's another thing that you can see is Napoleon's apartment, which is really cool. You can't like actually go into it, but you kind of like they have like a little area where you can kind of like step and like look at it, and it's really cool to see it i really enjoyed that part even though i actively don't like napoleon that much as you guys can tell he just seems very annoying but it was cool to see his apartment and i appreciate it i appreciated that aspect one thing you should probably know before visiting the louvre though is there is a second entrance um it's underground so if you take the subway Mm -hmm. you will be able to just walk up to the second entrance and you know you're there when you see the inverted triangle um it looks exactly like the triangle on top like in front of the louvre like the big thing that people like to take pictures with Mm -hmm. but it's inverted and it's on the ceiling of the second entrance that line is usually pretty quick we went on an off season so we literally had no line yeah it was super easy yeah yeah but i hear that that's always the best way to go but most people tend to go to the above ground entrance yeah i don't want to go to the above ground entrance next time but i do want to see the above ground entrance you know what i mean and then like make my way to the bottom one just because i don't think i've ever seen it because whatever that's neither here nor there but anyway also just a quick technical note if you hear any kind of loud bangs or like popping sounds someone has been just setting off fireworks every mm-hmm. night from 9 yep. 30 to like three or four o'clock in the morning yep. since like three weeks ago yep. and i just i i can't do anything about yeah. it and we literally have had no other time to record so i will try my best to edit these out but just in case you do hear them i just wanted to yeah. let you know that that's what it was i'm not in danger. Yes, Jazz is fine. You you might be able to hear though on my end too because this is happening all over Philadelphia and apparently America. Yeah, great oh, I don't I don't know. Oh, in Canada too. In Canada, so but I don't get it. I mean, like, cool fireworks are great, like one time, not, but oh, not. I hate fireworks. Okay, Jazz hates fireworks. I like to see them like one time a year, mm. and but the thing is, I can't even see them I can just hear them and I'm just tired it's literally every night and then it's for like it's literally hours and hours of banging so yeah yes here we are so yeah if you hear bangs we're fine (laughs) just ignore them we're just America is just having a hard time right now yeah so anyway but back to the bottom entrance of the Louvre so not only is it less crowded but you can actually, the gift shop is down there, and you can actually hit the gift shop immediately if you want to. And there's also a Starbucks if you just want an iced coffee, you know. it's I don't think I paid super a lot for my iced coffee in the Louvre, but it's there. Did I feel like an asshole tourist? Totally. But was I happy to have an iced coffee? Yes. 
And then was yeah. I happy to go to the book not the bookstore, the museum gift shop? Yes. 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 But that's also a thing. If you are someone who drinks iced coffee often, you might not want to go to like a regular cafe in Paris. You want to find a Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're not saying look. don't not go to a cafe, but yeah. <laughs> but if you only drink iced coffee, you're not going to find it at a cafe. Yeah, you won't. You're going to have a hard time. I can drink both, but you know, sometimes you just want like a little iced coffee, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was excited when I saw Starbucks, but I did feel like an asshole, but whatever. But yeah, so that's the Louvre. We definitely recommend going. It's almost like it's one of those things you can't really miss out on if you go to Paris. Another thing that you really can't miss in Paris is the Eiffel Tower. Obviously, you all know what the Eiffel Tower is. We don't have to explain it to you. But just like a small amount of background. The Eiffel Tower was constructed between 1887 and 1889. And it was designed by Gustave Eiffel. Eiffel, I guess. Gustave Eiffel. Okay. I'm assuming it's just Eiffel. Like Eiffel. The but then we... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. All right. It was designed by Gustave Eiffel. <laughs> just, yep, continue. Don't even... Okay. <laughs> All right. The Eiffel Tower is the most visited monument in the world, and it's the tallest building in Paris. However, it was actually not always so popular. Artists at the inception of the Eiffel Tower criticized it and there was actually quite a few cartoons commenting on the tower and the artist from back in the day and it was built around the World's Fair and it was to be used for I think the entrance to the Paris World Fair in the late 1800s. So you can actually visit three levels of the tower. There's restaurants on the first and second levels and of course there's the observation deck on the third level and that's where you can see the really beautiful view of Paris from all angles. And I just saw this today. There's actually a champagne bar at the top of the tower, which I want to go to next time we are there when we have money because uh, champagne is probably like 1 million euro, Mm -hmm. but whatever, we're going to do it. So yeah, I was, I have only been in the Eiffel Tower one time when I was in high school and it was like just I mean it was like wonderful to see Paris from that high and I was like afraid of heights but I still did it and it was like totally worth the whole like ascent up to the top observation deck to see everything so Jazz have you ever been in the Eiffel Tower? (laughs) Yes I have but I didn't care for it much so I was gonna keep okay oh that's fine I mean if you don't care for it that's fine too yeah, but not, okay. So actually, the Eiffel Tower is reopening on June twenty fifth. I don't necessarily know what that will look like and if you can visit, but I I think I saw that you can't visit every level yet. Um, not sure, but again, you're probably not going to Paris right now. So hopefully, by the time that you plan a trip there, you can do everything that you want to do, including going to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, because I don't know how they would um, make that social distancing you can't, appropriate yeah. because yeah. every time you go over there, it's packed. It's packed. It's always there. packed on up there. It's packed up there. It's packed on the grass. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great, though. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when we went there in 2018, we actually didn't go in the Eiffel Tower. We just kind of like, so there's grass in front of the Eiffel Tower that people sit in. You can have like a little picnic. We 
drank a lot of alcohol in front of the Eiffel Tower with our friend Brianna, who was with us. And it was very fun. Loved it. Yeah, and they got really drunk. It was great. <laughs> Again, Jazz doesn't get drunk, so she like just had to deal with us being drunk and really annoying. But it was like golden hour. I think you were sleeping, but it was like golden hour. You guys were taking pictures. <laughs> Yeah, it was golden hour, and <laughs> Brianna and I were just taking selfies while Jazz was like napping. Were you, were you laying down, or were you just like sitting up and asleep? I was laying down. Okay, I was being normal this time. Thank God, because <laughs> I was like, sometimes you're very scary. <laughs> you can just sleep anywhere. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was golden hour. We were taking selfies. Yeah, and one thing that is nice about the Eiffel Tower is while you're sitting on the grass, um, there are, I'm going to call them vendors for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. that will come up to you and basically sell you wine and beer. Yeah. Well, actually, they sell you wine. Most of the time, the beer is free, which we learned. We learned Uh, the hard, you really learned the hard way, not uh, Brianna and I. Yeah, so they kept buying bottles of wine, and then it would come with free beer. And at one point, I had to just drink all of the beer, and then also finish some of the wine, and then try to get them home while they were drunk, and they were yelling at me the entire time. <laughs> Again, apologies, but thank you for, for doing that. But yeah, so vendors do come around, and uh, you know they sell you wine and beer, but actually, the more you buy from them, the more they come around. So you really have to, like, be mindful. Um, but they were really nice. And, you know, we were, like, I don't know, it was, like, fine. Talk- that was the only time my French actually worked in France was when I was drunk in front of the Eiffel Tower. So I don't know. Um, but, yeah, and we also bought keychains from them, like, whatever. I mean, you can view it as a nuisance, but it was, like, actually just nice to sit in front of the Eiffel Tower and, like, interact with people and purchase wine and whatever mm-hmm. and keychains but then they keep coming up to you so that's a lot it was it was fun though yeah but it's a good time especially if you want to do something that doesn't cost a lot of money just go buy yourself some wine from the grocery store yeah. and walk up to the Eiffel Tower yeah and hang on the grass yeah there's literally also a grocery store like down the block from the Eiffel Tower that you can go to it's a little more expensive though yeah but whatever you know you only live once also you don't want to cart wine all over the place too so that's true um yeah and then also really like so people will sit in front of the eiffel tower and the purpose of it is i mean for a picnic but also once it gets dark the tower lights up for five minutes every hour and it's really just like just wonderful to see the tower lighting up in front of you Especially the first time it happens, it's just like, and everyone's like super excited. I think we saw like a couple of people get proposed to at that yeah. time, and it was cute. And everyone claps. And everyone claps. It's just like wonderful. Yeah, and you played Black Parade for me <laughs> when the tower lit and up. I started crying. I did because I didn't get to listen to Black Parade on New Year's. Here we are, and it was just a very wonderful time in our friendship. So. Mm-hmm. I heard the way you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. It was great. 
whatever. But, and that's where that guy asked you if you spoke Spanish and you could use your Spanish. And I know you were yeah, happy. Yeah, I don't know why he walked up to me and started speaking Spanish because I don't am know. fully black. True. Fully black. True. Yeah, I don't um, I don't know, actually. Yeah, you don't look... No, not like, at all. Yeah. Nothing. Like, so there was a random man who was behind us and he walked up to me and started speaking Spanish and asked me, did I speak Spanish? And I don't know why he thought I did, but... It was his lucky day because I do. <laughs> it was his lucky day for sure. And I got to, he asked me to take pictures of him doing random stuff. And it was fine because I got to use my Spanish for like the one time. But yes, yeah, so that's Eiffel Tower. I mean, it's worth going. It's It does seem like one of those things you do once and you're good. Like I want to kind of do it again, but I want to do it with like my boyfriend because he's never been there. But I personally, mm-hmm. I don't even want to do the champagne bar. But I personally don't really like need to go again. But you know, do what you want. It's cool to see, and it's also I love seeing like a view of a place from like high up. So like, if you're into that, like that's you know that's you're gonna have the best experience on the Eiffel Tower. So also, if you don't want to pay to get up to the like the levels where you can actually see from the Eiffel Tower, just do a quick Google search and see. Like, best views of Paris with the Eiffel Tower in the background. You get a better picture because you'll get to see the entirety of Paris. And you'll also get the Eiffel Tower in the background. Yeah. And it's free. That's true, too. So, just a quick side note. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's a good idea, too. You can also see a lot of Paris. The Eiffel Tower, you can't see it, but from the Sacre Coeur in Montmartre, mm. you can see a lot of Paris from there, too. That's a really good place where you can see a lot of Paris... Mm-hmm. Without having to go to like the Eiffel Tower and paying and all that, it's free to go mm-hmm. up to climb up. There's just a lot of steps, but it's worth it. I think it's one of my favorite parts of Paris, which we'll talk about a little more in depth, I guess, in another episode. Yeah. So that's the Eiffel Tower. Do you want to move on to the Jardin du Luxembourg? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Jardin du Luxembourg, they. It's like a really pretty garden slash park within Paris. It's in the 6th arrondissement. And just a little bit of background, the Luxembourg Palace was actually commissioned by Marie de Medici, and she was the widow of Henry IV. And we talked about her like a little bit, I think, in the last episode. Um, But she commissioned the Luxembourg Palace in 1612 as a recreation of the Pitti Palace of Florence. And she also commissioned the gardener Tommaso Francini to uh, plant 2,000 elm trees and with plans to build a park that also mirrored her roots in Florence. Uh, it, she also built the, or commissioned the building of, I doubt Maria de Medici was out there building, but she commissioned the building of the Medici fountain, the artificial grotto, and then another fountain. So that's really the creation of the um, Jardin du Luxembourg. But then after... The French Revolution, there was a period of decline, but then the park was restored and rebuilt. In 1848, statues of queens and famous women of France began being placed in the park. Now it actually has over 100 statues, monuments, and fountains, which you can go see today. Some notable statues include, of course, Marie de Medici, Mary Queen of Scots, Margaret d'Anjou, Marguerite de Navarre, Saint Bathilde and the Liberty Enlighting the World, which is apparently a recreation of the Statue of Liberty. So you can actually see these are spread out throughout the whole park. It's really cool. And it's actually currently 
the seat of the French Senate, which is interesting. I did not know that until today. Um, yeah. It's also a very good place for a photo op if you're looking is. to take some really nice pictures in Paris. Yeah, it is. I want to take more pictures next time we go. It's very cute. Okay. <laughs> AKA Jazz is going to take my picture. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's just like beautiful. It's like kind of like a peaceful place in the middle of Paris. It's just lovely. I enjoyed our visit. Uh, especially like the statues of the ladies was cool i enjoyed that highly yeah it's also another good place to sit and eat if you would like to yeah totally some wine and like picnic yeah foods yeah it's it's really cool and yeah i mean the greenery is pretty like definitely recommend and it's free it's a park you can just go and chill like what else like what's better than that so we definitely highly recommend seeing the Jardin du Luxembourg even if you're just like on your way to something else stop by or just sit and chill for a couple of hours and just take in the atmosphere so before we go I just want to give you guys some little like French language tips I highly recommend checking out like more detailed videos on like YouTube or even like Maybe getting Pimsleur for like levels one to like five in French, um, just to get a better handle on French before you go. However, if you're like like short on time or any other reason where this is like your only source of French help, here are some words that'll help you get by for like maybe a few days. So there are some one some that we actually more than likely already know. Like everyone knows, hellos, bonjour, or salut. And how are you? You can say como ça va? Or if you're saying good evening, you can say bonsoir. We all know yes is we, no is non. And if you want to politely ask for something, you always say s'il vous plaît. If you want to say thank you to someone, it's merci. However, that is a very informal way to say it. So if you want to say it the polite way to like a stranger, as you should, it's merci beaucoup. Um, if you would like to say welcome, if someone said thank you to you and you would like to say welcome, it's de rien. Now, let's say you're lost and you need to find, find out where something is. You can ask them where whatever you're looking for is. If it is singular, like if it is a single item, you want to say oué. If it is plural, you want to say ousant, ousant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, for example, if you're asking for like bathrooms specifically, you can say ousant les toilettes, which is where the bathrooms. Um, one other thing you can say, like if you do something, you if you make a mistake, if you bump into someone, you drop something, and you want to say you're sorry. You can always say, je suis désolé. So one phrase you'll definitely need if this is the only French you have ever learned in your life is, do you speak English? Which is, parlez-vous anglais? And they'll either say oui or non. And you can continue about your day that way. And hopefully they can help you. If not, again, please check out some YouTube videos yeah. or Pinsler or take a quick italki class with French or something. Yeah. So 
Goodbye. Totally. I have two things to add. A good mm-hmm. statement is just pardon. Like if you bump into somebody or drop something, you're just like, oh, pardon. And, you know, that gets you by. And mm-hmm. also, um, if you are going to France, Paris in particular, you really should make an effort to learn a little bit of French just to really get you by because the French mm-hmm. are actually very serious about their language and they're more likely I mean they're nice most of the time but like they'll be more likely to help you if like you try to speak French with them and then you're like I'm sorry can you actually speak English with me mm-hmm. you're just better recepted if you can speak a little bit of French um, yeah also one yeah. other thing that I would like to add is if you're at a restaurant a lot of times you actually have to ask for the check you do I always just say uh let this young to play or yeah. yeah, I don't know why I always remember the bill, like, in most languages, but... I remembered it in Italian, so there's that. That's good. <laughs> so. Yeah, so you can hey. say, like, uh, s'il vous plaît? Merci beaucoup. And we will give merci beaucoup. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Can I have the check? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think... Okay. Just- I feel like, like, like to get their attention. Yeah. Uh, pardon. Get... <laughs> yeah, pardon. 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 Yeah. Like you like to ask for the check, but then when they give you the check, you can say merci beaucoup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend. Even if you just do like Duolingo for French, then it's helpful too. I mean, Duolingo is just like a really good exercise for you. It's really you don't really learn a whole language. Um, but you get familiar with the language. So definitely recommend, yeah, learn a little bit of French before you go. You don't have to be a master of the language. Now, with all that said, mm-hmm. I think this is actually the end of the podcast today. We made it. Yeah, so if you'd like to contact us, please shoot us a tweet at a and a pod on Twitter. Or feel free to DM us or comment on a picture or something on our Instagram. And that's the wandery travel the w-a-n-d-e-r-y travel on instagram yeah please contact us we would love to hear from you you can even go to our website wanderytravel.com so yes yes. okay all right thanks for listening thanks bye If you like our intro and outro, please check out Judah Kim Music at Instagram and Judah Kim on Spotify.